Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good morning, Life Changes family and friends. Good morning, good morning. It's a real joy and privilege to address you this morning and we're going to be looking at scripture because I, my heart as an equipping evangelist is not only to connect people to Jesus, but to help them live a life devoted to him. There's one thing committing one's life to Christ. There's another thing in following him. And we're called to believe in Jesus, but we're called to follow him that makes us disciples and fishers of men. Amen to that. Have you got your Bibles with you this morning? Could I ask you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, the first gospel, Matthew, and we're going to be reading from verse 24. While you're turning there with me, I know Rob earlier on mentioned Eugene. He's one of my best friends, and it's a real privilege to have you here this morning. Stayed with us a couple of days, and it really was just some sweet, great fellowship. He's one of the guys I share my life with. He's my parachute-packing buddy. That means that I trust him with my life, that I could say, here's my parachute, you can pack it, and I can jump from 10,000 feet and not worry, I know it will open. Not many have those kind of friends. I'm honored to be able to call you friend and have you as a parachute-packing buddy. Thank you, Eugene. This morning, as we look into the Bible, let's just not look at the Scriptures as just another message this morning, but a message that can change your life and the lives of other people. Because that's what discipleship is all about. It's not just our lives being transformed and changed, but how we can impact others. God's heart is for the nations of the earth, the city, the community, and far beyond. And this morning's title is Building Your Life on the Foundation of Jesus Christ. Because many of us build on many other things other than Jesus. And we're going to read this text this morning. Very familiar. However, please don't let the familiarity of Scripture rob you of fresh insights. Don't let... Ever, ever let John 3.16 not wow you. Never let a familiar verse of Scripture, I, I know it. But often we know it in our head, but we need to know it in our heart. And we need to live it out in our feet. Now, Matthew chapter 7 starts off with, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them will be compared to a wise man. But whenever there's the word therefore, it's always important to look at it in its context so we'd have to rewind a little bit to chapter, sorry, verse 15, where it speaks about false prophets, it speaks about trees, and it speaks about fruit. And if I could say, the context of this is not the size of the tree, but it's the fruit that the tree bears. And then it speaks about, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father. Could I say to you this morning, It's not just about the signs, wonders, and miracles. It's about knowing Him. But when you know Him, there will be signs, wonders, and miracles following. 
We need to contend for both. We need to put our faith out for both. So Jesus is laying a bit of a foundation here, and he, he concludes it with this. Whoever hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, what I'd like to do is read to you the message translation. Now, it's my 3D Bible. Uh, some people would sort of frown upon it. But for where I am, it speaks volumes to me. And it just takes things from a totally different perspective and angle. I've often asked, well, well what's the correct Bible to have? We were chatting the other day. It's definitely for me, not the King James Version. Yay, thee, thou, and though. It's different, but the message translation is a very contemporary, but it just brings a different angle. And to me, the, the, the most important is having the spirit of truth within you, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into all truth. Now, if we read verse, the same verses, but from the message, Eugene Peterson writes, he says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. These are foundational words, words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, you're a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit it, but nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and do not work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Wow. To me, that so beautifully portrays it in another way. Now, how many of you know we're living in a day and age where we are seeing so many things simply just collapse? If you look at South Korea, the turmoil there. Look at South Sudan, Syria, the Middle East. Some of you might say, well, that's far away. You don't know, my finances are collapsing. My marriage is collapsing. My kids are wayward. I'm in ill health. I've got broken relationships. I want to say to you, no matter what floods are coming against you, there is a rock upon which you can build your life where you will stand the storms and tests of life. Can I say this morning, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you're going to have challenges. Whether you're righteous or unrighteous, there are challenges. But God wants to use those to establish us in Him, to strengthen us in Him, that we will stand strong. Can I say as a Christian, so many think, well, when it's, everything's going great, that life is a testimony for Christ. It is. Equally, when you're going through a test and a trial, that becomes a testimony to others. Will you stand and not fall? There was another beautiful picture of a house that stood this test 
when the floods came. If it could be there, thank you. That's the kind of house I want to be. That's the kind of house I want to be. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, reads like this. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. His personhood, his rulership, his ownership over our lives begins when we say yes to him 100%. Can I say that's where it starts? But it mustn't finish there. That 100% needs to keep on growing. That 100% needs to grow and grow and grow and grow. That's what a commitment to Christ is all about. Often we make that commitment, but then we stop. We become stagnant. We go into neutral, and then we reverse. God wants us to grow in our personal relationship with Him. Now, a foundation could be defined as a base upon which the structure rests. A foundation is that which underpins and holds us up. That's what a foundation is. Now, the interesting, the foundation is the most important part of the building. So often we look at the exterior, but we forget about the foundation that is invisible but the most important. Your own personal relationship with Jesus that's invisible is the most important because that needs to support everything above on the outward, the way we live our life. And the storms test your foundations. Storms test your foundations. I remember we pastored in Freyhead, a church, many, many years ago. And it was the first time from my recollection, the word El Nino was being circulated about 25 years ago, somewhere around there. And they warned us to prepare for these floods. But we were, we were clueless what was coming. Zululand, the north coast, right up front, was flooded. Unbelievable. Never seen floods like that in my life. Bridges washed away. Houses. It was just pandemonium. And I remember after the flood subsided, there was like little tours around Freyhead. Look at this house. Look at this massive crack. Look at this wall that's been washed away. This, that, and everything. It was the floods and the rains that exposed the foundations that brought about the cracks. And often when a current, of a conflict or situation happens, cracks appear. Now in the natural, once you've laid a foundation, there's nothing you can do about it. But in our walk with Jesus, we can continually deepen that foundation day by day through intentional, meaningful deepening of that relationship with Him. That's the beautiful thing, that daily we can deepen our foundation. Now, a foundation is also where do I derive my worth, my value, and my identity from? That's another way to look at it from a foundational point of view. I'm just going to touch on faulty foundations, and then how can we build on Christ the rock? Faulty foundations is where people trust more in their education and getting degrees than on God doing what he does best. I'm not knocking education, but it's when you shift your balance of trust more in that to open doors than for God to open doors. When you look to your work to be your source to provide instead of him. Your work is one of the avenues that God does give us to provide for our needs, but so often we can become workaholics. 
and we become slaves to work instead of realizing, no, 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 it's him that gives me the strength and the ability. For some people, it's success, it's titles, it's possessions, it's appearances, it's the opinions of people. Sometimes it's friendships with who and with what and who you hang out. Image is a faulty foundation. I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on follower, but I hear some very distraught people when their followers are lacking. When people haven't put thumbs up on whatever Facebook or whatever this or that. You know what that reveals? A faulty foundation. I had a laugh the other day. Sorry, Donald. Um, I heard about how he's a massive Twitter, Twitter, Facebook follower, one of those. And he gets quite upset what people say about him. So he responds on, on this social media thing. Just to correct things, just to be able to have the right image. Kind of here was a faulty foundation. Because if you live life looking over your shoulder what other people think about you, you'll never, ever have a strong foundation. We've got to look up to know what he thinks and says of us. I had a massive life lesson early in ministry. I finished Bible college, and I went off to Stanger to my first pastorate, and there was something very cool about being, now this is 34 years ago, being called pastor. It actually was quite cool. Hello, Pastor Wally. How are you? It was actually quite cool. And I had elders that I inherited that were much my senior. Much my senior. And I remember we had these different outreaches into different areas. And I remember we went to this one particular crusade. We were preaching. And the one evening, my one elder, he was ministry. And the pastor that had got up to introduce him... He said, this is the pastor of Stanger Christian Fellowship and Wally is the youth pastor. I sat there smiling, but on the inside I was fuming. He got it the wrong way around. He was the elder, I was the pastor. What was God exposing? The crack of a faulty foundation that my identity is in my relationship with him, not the title that I have. Hear what I'm saying? And then as I began to take that crack to God, and I said, God, this crack, help me not to polyfiller, but deepen the foundations. He said, Wally, the highest title you can ever have on this planet is being called a son of God. That's how Jesus started his ministry. The Father spoke from above. This is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased. The Father could have said, this is the ancient of days, the Alpha and the Omega. He could have gone through all the 50, 60, 70 titles that Jesus has. Nobody said, this is my beloved son. See, when your foundation is founded on him and your relationship with him, your sonship with him, you can go from strength to strength to strength. And I'll say to you this morning, there's a proverb that says, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. The storm's coming, but we can stand strong. Whether you're single, married, divorced, widow, in relationships, whatever your difficulties are, the Bible has something to say about your unique situation. The Bible has something to say about it. And we've got to discover that. And before we go into that, you might say, well, well Wally, what about the sand? 
What about the sand? Was it the rock of the sand? The rock of the sand. I want to say to you, my a reflection upon this particular portion of scripture. That sand, the Greek word there is amos, which is like a huge big pile of beach sand. And as I begin to do a bit of a word study, sand in scripture is a reflection of humanity. Remember the promise God gave Abraham that your descendants, people, would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. Sand is symbolic of mankind, humanity. Also, if you do recall, what was Adam made out of? Sand, dust, dirt, whatever you want to call it. And so many of us are building our lives on sinking sand of self. And you might say, well, Willie, that's definitely not me. Definitely not me. Now, you might not have any of these self things, but just reflect. Have you ever been self-absorbed, self-centered, self-confident? And you might say, well, I'm supposed to be self-confident. I'm God-confident. Is there a difference? What foundation? I'm not self-confident. I'm God-confident. Self-conscious, self-image. We live in a world where self-image is the big thing. No, no, no. It's his image we call to reflect to the world. Not self-image, his image. Self-righteous, self-pity, self-importance, selfishness, self-seeking. Can I say all of those self are sinking sand. And if you focus on those, you're going to have challenges in life. But when we begin to say, Jesus, I want to build my life upon you. How do we go about that? Firstly, we need to build our lives on the written or the logos. The Greek is the logos word of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, training, correcting. It's God breathed. As you begin to spend time with God, with the Bible, it begins to change you. It begins to change you. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Next year, first third of March, will be 40 years ago I committed my life to Christ. And I remember I've got the Bible that I was given when I came to faith. And I was taught by John Cole, who discipled me. He said, Wally, your goal as a Christian is not just to be a nice person, not just to be a well-adjusted, well-rounded person. Your goal is to be like Jesus. And Jesus is committed to you to knock off and take out of your life everything that doesn't reflect him. I said, okay, how do I go about that? And I just sensed through counsel with John, I made a big list. It was a huge list of the areas in my life that weren't like Jesus. Then the second thing I did is I went to the Bible. In my day, we didn't have computers like we have where we can quickly find verses. We had what we called a concordance. How many of you heard of concordance? And I started looking up all the different areas in my life that were pertinent to my challenge. One was anxiety. One was worry and anxiety. And I started looking up all the verses in the Bible about that particular thing. And as I started going through them, the Logos, the written word, some of them began to leap from my heart. And they became a rhema. That word 
was the word that I started building my life upon. I, was, I so struggled with confidence. And as I began to go through all the scriptures of confidence, trusting in God, there were a couple of key pivotal ones that God spoke to my heart that I became the foundation for my future. When Shirley and I got married, we just celebrated 33 years. Our first three years were tough. I was sharing with somebody the other day, we thought we entered the Great Tribulation. We weren't sure who was the beast, who was the Antichrist, but we fought like cat and dog. Guess what? I had to go to the scriptures and I had to find out what the Bible said about how husbands ought to love their wives. It's difficult. But I said, Lord, if this is what you said in your word, I look to your grace and strength how to live it out. Surely did likewise. 33 years later, we're celebrating God's goodness in our marriage. When our kids came along, Oh, kids, sometimes can be like another little storm. Because they, they shake and challenge you, primarily selfishness. So we had to go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about raising up kids? And then we had to go through, particularly in the book of Proverbs, this is how the Bible says we need to raise our kids. Some folks struggle with sleeplessness, with depression, with anxiety, panic attacks, various different illnesses. The Bible has something to say about that. Can I say you've got to find it yourself? Too many people have a piggyback faith. They hear somebody else say it, and they say, well, that's cool, I'll take that. But it's not their own. And when the pressures come, it just falls and crumbles. Can I say there's no shortcut to letting him, Jesus, become your foundation. There's no shortcuts. We need to go to the Bible. The second thing is the rhema will speak to you. It'll be personal. It'll be, wow. Do you remember when, in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said to, to the disciples, and who do others say that I am? And it was, oh, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet. And then Peter all of a sudden said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember that? See, that was a rhema moment. That was a quickened word. I can say to you this morning, as you begin to reflect and ponder on who Jesus Christ is, something will light up in your heart. Something will become his word whispered. He'll speak to you. The Spirit will speak to you through his word. And that will begin to ignite faith in your heart towards him. Then thirdly, there's the prophetic words. Now, over the 40 years, I remember we've had significant prophetic words. One was from Kim Clement, Roger Teal, Bill Hammond, Kerry Southey. And about six weeks ago, we had another very significant prophetic word from a lady, a Filipino lady that I don't even know her name. We were at a conference, and we are in a session. She ministered to Shirley and I, and she gave us, she read God's mail for us that helped us into our future and confirmed many things. But you see, you need to build your life on the written Logos word of God. And then from the Logos, there'll be the rhema, the spoken word. And then there'll be prophetic words of encouragement on the journey, on the journey. But so often, I've found it, a prophet comes to town, guess what? 
the meeting is chocked a block. It is full because everybody wants to hear from the prophet. It's looking for shortcuts because they haven't gone to the written word and they haven't meditated on the written word to get the spirit whispered word. I want to encourage you, if we're going to thrive and advance the kingdom, we need to be skilled in God's word. We need to be skilled in God's word. Proverbs chapter 6 is a beautiful portion of scripture. David, in reference to the Bible, says this. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 21 to 22. He says about the Bible, bind them upon your heart. Fasten it around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. God's word will guide you. God's word will guide you. When you sleep, it will watch over you. When you're awake, it will speak to you. To me, that is such a beautiful portion of scripture that I've found over the years that God's word is so rich. But I begin to say, Lord, how do I bind it in my heart? And how do I fasten it around my neck? And I thought about the neck. The neck is upon which your head rests. And the key to getting God's word into your heart is start by renewing your mind through beginning to memorize scripture that speaks to you. You know, often when I pray for people for healing, I say, it's great to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. We've got the oil, we've got the hands. But often when the person goes, they've got no scripture to lean back on when the enemy comes to test and to try them. And we need to have the scriptures, not all by his stripes I'm here. We need to know where that verse is. We need to own that verse in our heart and then it becomes a foundation for us. There's no shortcuts to it. How do we get God's word into our lives? Through memorizing. There's no shortcuts to memorize. You know, I used to memorize scripture, write them out longhand. I look at them up in different translations. Shirley and I we used to carry those little four by four cards. Write them out, put them in our pockets. When we used to phone each other, when we were dating and courting, we used to share those scriptures with one another, building faith, deepening our foundation. If you're a young person struggling with loneliness, what does the Bible say? The answer is not get married. The answer is know his presence and his nearness and overcome that loneliness, then God will send you a partner. See, so often we think the partner is going to be the answer to our loneliness. No, no, it's Jesus. Some people are unemployed and you're paralyzed that you've not even got your CV or going out. I remember a dear friend of mine, Warwick. He's an educated, gifted young man. And he was unemployed. He had his own business. Unfortunately, through the unforeseen circumstances, it closed. Had to go back into the marketplace. Gifted person. Everybody had said, you're too educated. And unfortunately, we can't. We prayed much. And he said, Wally, the Bible says, if I don't work... I shouldn't eat. Now that's not a verse unemployed people have underlined or highlighted in their Bible. <laughs> but it's there. So in all of his interviews, I remember us, we were chatting and praying together. 
He said, well, I've got faith for this one particular job. It was a government job. But back in the time, he just, it wasn't in his favor. And we fell together in God. He went to the person that oversaw that particular assignment of a job. And he said to them, I believe I'm the right person for that job. I'm going to ask you to give me one month to prove that I not only have the gift, the ability, and the competency to do it, but I don't want the salary for it. I want you to see that what I do will help the city of Cape Town. So after much negotiation, he got the job for a month on the house to the council. It's an amazing thing, Wayne. Amazing. He excelled so well. After that, they came to him. They said, we want to employ you. So that's the way God worked in that scenario and case. And ever since then, he's been flying. But you see, there was the strategy, the prayer, and he took God seriously. He's building his life on the foundation today. He's an exceptionally good businessman going from strength to strength. But you see, we've got to take God at his word. Committed to memory. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. I often hear this from, oh, I don't have enough time. Can I say to you, if you just halved your Facebook time, halved your television viewing time, halved your golf time, halved your this time and that time, you'd have more than enough time. You make time for the things you love. And as we begin to love God and His Word, I'm going to move on. The second way you work God's Word into your heart is through meditation. Meditation means to ponder on, to reflect, to own it, to personalize it. I love Psalm 1 and Joshua 1 verse 8. Write it down, reflect on it. But Psalm 39 verse 3, David said, My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, a fire burned. Church, we need to be people with fire, not smoke. Fire comes through meditation. Then application is the third most important thing to have a deep foundation. Can I say to you, there's certain things in the Bible you don't have to pray about. One of them is forgiving. When I chat with people with broken relationships, you need to forgive so and so. Well, I'm going to go home to pray about it. I say, well, you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about that. You just need to do it. And it's a choice and then it's a walk. But you need to do that. Just using that as an example. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, speaks of the church of Thessalonica, who were described as a model church. But look what Paul says about it. When they received the word of God, which they heard from us, they accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God which is at work in those who believe. See, is God's word at work in you? Is it the foundation upon you building your life? Can I say a single people begin to live lives of devotion and purity to the king? Those that are married, you build your life on the foundation when the sun shines, not when the storm hits. You never see builders building when there's a cold front and it's raining and bucketing. No, no, it's backing down. 
When the sun is shining, build. When the storms come, you can stand. In conclusion, how do you go about this? You know, we all have 3D glasses for those 3D movies. I've got what I call 3C glasses when I read the Bible. My 3C glasses is this simply. When I read the Bible, I'm firstly always looking for the character of God, who God is. Because when my life is built on Him first and foremost, I know He is true. I know He's consistent. I know He's faithful. I know He's dependable. I know He's reliable. See, so often people have got a promise they're clinging to, but they don't know the person who gave the promise. Eternal life is to know Him and make Him known. Can I say to you, look for the character and nature of God. See that it's in context and that it's consistent in the scriptures. Always make sure of those three C's. The building materials that can help you stand against any storm in life are these as I conclude. Firstly, the person is gold. Remember the verse we read earlier on? The gold of who God is. And one of the, the greatest things I've done many years ago, and I still add to it, I've got what I call my, my Bible alphabet. I've got it for the attributes of God. I've got it for who Jesus is. For example, the A of the attributes of God. God is an awesome God. God is an available God. God is an accessible God. And as I begin to then reflect and get verses about that, you don't have to wait in a queue to talk to God. He's accessible. He's an awe-inspiring God. He's an all-powerful God. The B, God is a believable God. You can believe Him. And then the C is caring, He's compassionate. You, and as I begin to do those, it, what does it do? It enlarges your faith. Because your faith is in who He is, first and foremost. And then you know His promises, which is the silver. Those are the things that he gives to you that is personal. His promises that he gives to you that are yours. Got a number over the years that I know he's whispered into my heart that I own. Find those promises. And then lastly, the precious stones are his principles. Can I say God has his principles? And so often we don't understand his principles, some of which are the principle of timing. The ways of God. The Bible says the nation of Israel knew the acts of God, the deeds of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. As we begin to find the ways of God, life takes on another beautiful dimension. The timing of God is, is so special. And so, but I want to conclude this morning by saying to you, on what are you building your life? How deep is that foundation? How real is that foundation? And I believe this morning, my charge to you is don't dig and dive into Facebook, but rather go into his book and find his face in this book. Get to know who he is. And that no matter what happens in life, you'll be able to stand strong. You'll be able to be courageous. You'll be able to live lives of influence. I know one of the things that I struggled with was to forgive myself. My goodness, did I beat myself up. 
I beat myself up and I used to live with this cloud of condemnation. In fact, when I sinned and stumbled, I was so repentant, the devil just gave me a stick and I beat myself up. He didn't even have to do it. Until I discovered God's forgiveness and I'd forgive myself, never look back. Never, ever look back. Can I say to you this morning, whatever your struggle is, go to the Bible, find it for yourself and live different lives that honor the King.